0: Ghost of a Nelson Mandela coming to you from beyond the grave to so bring you Nelson Mandela's ghostly podcastings. would the King's forces have learned of our secret base?
1: Hmm...
0: We should not jump to conclusions, father. Perhaps some of our fighters were captured in a skirmish with the Donkey King's forces and gave up the location of our base under duress. It's not possible. The attack happened almost as soon as our forces left to attack their various targets. I see. Besides... Each of our fighters swore an oath. Torture will make even the most honorable men betray their oaths, father. And as you well know, the Donkey King has the means to manipulate good men into committing terrible deeds. You are right, my son. But even so, the timing indicates that we have been infiltrated. Where are our fighters now? They fled the base. When we sent out teams to attack the King's forces, only a few of us remained behind. Twenty-nine in total, including myself.
1: Hmm. My
0: Magpie, do a sweep of the area and count the bodies of our fallen comrades.
1: Yes, sir, Mr. Nelson, sir.
0: What happened once the attack started? Once it was clear that we were hopelessly outnumbered, I ordered an evacuation. But by that point, I don't know how many of us were left. Some of the king's forces pursued our fighters into the jungle, and I stayed behind to finish off those who had stormed our base. Father, can you stand? I think so. What are you planning? If our men dispersed, we need to track them down and regroup. Where is son? He led the attack on the slaughterhouse. Good, good.
1: I count 23 of our fallen comrades.
0: Good Lord! Come on, we need to find the five other men who survived the slaughter. Then what? Then we find out which one of them betrayed us. My friends, it's me, Nelson Mandela. And welcome to Nelson Mandela's Ghostly Podcasting's. As always, let me recap on current events. Mr. Nelson? Yes?
1: Can I do the exposition again?
0: Hmm, no, not this time.
1: Aww.
0: Anyway, in order to prepare for an inevitable confrontation with the Donkey King, the magpie and I set off to find a relic of the Ancient Ones powerful enough to match the haunted whistle wielded by the Donkey King We found another keeper, who, after subjecting me to a test, allowed us to take a shield and a stick. A shield and a stick, Magpie?
1: The nebulous shield of orbicular imponderability, and the mystic stick of malicious intent.
0: Ooh, yes, we used the power of the shield to whisk ourselves back to our secret rebel base, only to find that it had been attacked in our absence. And now, we're searching for the survivors and the spy in our midst. <clears throat> what is it, Magpie?
1: I like to do the exposition.
0: I let you do it once.
1: Yes, but I really feel like it could be my thing.
0: I don't think that's necessary.
1: Please, Mr. Nelson.
0: Magpie, I- Holy pleasure. share with your friends. Ugh, fine. You can do it next time.
1: What about the time after that?
0: Let's see how next time goes first. After that, we can see.
1: Deal. Oh, I'm going to do such a good job of exposition on the next episode.
0: I'm sure you will. Look, it's Privates, Novats and Pagano. You knew them. Yes, they were good men. They were shot in the back.
1: An execution!
0: The spy must have found himself alone with these poor souls. We should proceed with caution. And with haste. There's no telling what will happen if we don't catch up with them. Can you see which way the trail goes? This way! Are you sure?
1: I've never been more sure of anything in my life.
0: Very well. Let's go. are fresh. We need to move silently. Okay.
1: What are we going to do? We need to look for other survivors. Al-Ghazawi, you stay here and set up a perimeter. Private Smedley and I will go and look for other survivors.
0: No, we need to stick together. A wise tactic. General! That's right. It's me, Nelson Mandela. Good afternoon. The base has been purged of intruders. We are all that remains. How can you be sure, sir? We have counted the bodies of our fallen comrades. What
1: are we going to do? We're surrounded.
0: With... Calm yourself, Private. Yes, sir. Magpie. Can you think of any secure locations?
1: What about the Alligator Jazz Club?
0: No, let's not go back there.
1: Okay, what about your father's hovel?
0: Hovel? No, it will no doubt be under surveillance, deep within the king's territory. We need somewhere where the king has no presence.
1: I've got it! Where? Jobo! My old friend Jobo!
0: Magpie! Magpie! Where are you going? That bird will be the end of me. What do we do now? We should wait for the magpie to return. He will no doubt have some harebrained scheme up his sleeve. His sleeve? Is that a euphemism? No, it's an expression. Ah, magpie! North
1: by Northwest. What? North by Northwest. The
0: 1959 film. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock?
1: No, the compass bearing.
0: Oh, what about it?
1: We should travel along that bearing. Why? Because on the other side of that thicket, there is a river. And if we travel north by northwest, we will come upon an old raft on the bank of that river that we can use.
0: To go where?
1: We'll follow the river out to the ocean, then follow the coast south. Until we reach Bahia del Recto.
0: Bahia del Recto? What the hell is that? Bahia del Recto. It's Spanish for Rectum Bay.
1: Correct. Why the hell
0: are you taking us to Rectum Bay?
1: I have a friend there who can help us.
0: Jobo? Yes. How can you be sure this Jobo will be there? Hmm.
1: Well, at this time of year, Jobo will never be far from Bahia del Recto.
0: Very well. North by northwest it is. Gentlemen, please take point. I take no pleasure in saying this. But, it appears we have a spy among us. So, I must ask you for your weapons. But sir... Now. Now after you. Please know, I will not hesitate to shoot you, should you try anything fishy. Look! I see the raft! Help me get it into the water! Yes, Father! Nelson Mandela. Sleep, no sleep, Dot com. I have been considering a new business venture, specifically launching a very spooky cryptocurrency here in the ghostly afterlife. A single Mandela coin could be worth as much as one. Hundred US dollars, or approximately 360,000 Ugandan shillings, depending on the local exchange rate. I'm confident that this should be the case, provided enough investors choose to partake in this exciting new venture. For more details on how you can be a part of Mandela Coin, the afterlife's first cryptocurrency Head to www.nelsonmandela's ghostlypodcastings.com or email nelsonsghostlypodcastings at gmail.com. Now, I have some important news that I wish to share with you. I have sustained an injury to my tummy. Let this be a lesson to us all, my friends, when you are full. You are full and must stop eating, no matter how sumptuous and delicious the meal. No man can eat his own body weight in cheese. There! Who goes? My name is a Nelson Mandela.
1: Hello there,
2: Mr. Mandela. My name is Ariel. And I, am the Harbour Master. i buy here, Del Recto. Ariel? Like the moment? No. I'm Polish. Not a mermaid.
0: I apologize
1: unreservedly.
0: Je suis enchanteur.
1: We're looking for the lusty magpie.
0: The lusty magpie?
1: Yes. It's the name of Jobo's ship.
0: After all, Jobo,
2: eh? Well, you're in luck. The magpie is on the other side of the dock.
1: Thank you, good sir. Come, Mr. Nelson.
0: <clears throat> yes.
1: Pay the man.
0: Oh, here. Much obliged. Come on, then, everybody. Follow the magpie.
1: Now, Mr. Nelson, let me do the talking.
0: Very well, magpie.
1: Ahoy there! I say, ahoy there! Hello? Hello? We've come to speak with Captain Jobo. Captain Jobo doesn't say kindly to unannounced guests. Make an appointment with the bosun. Tell Captain Jobo that the magpie has come for his help. You can tell him yourself. Jobo, my old friend. You've got a lot of nerve coming here, bird. Nerve? You no know good dirty, swindling dip- a adorable bird. Come here. Jobo, we need your help. And you'll have it. But first, introduce me to your friends. Certainly. This... Oh, may I?
0: Go ahead, my part.
1: This is Nelson Mandela. <laughs> We meet. A
0: pleasure to meet you, Captain.
1: I've heard great tales of your exploits against the king.
0: I take it. You're no friend of the king.
1: The sea is our mistress, and we know no other. Good. And the magpie will forever be a part of my crew. And if he calls you friend, then you're a part of the crew as well.
0: Thank you. This is quite a fine ship.
1: Aye. The Lusty Magpie, she's called.
0: You named her after the magpie.
1: Aye, well, I renamed her in honor of the magpie. I don't know what to say. Say nothing. Okay. Nothing like an uncomfortable silence between old friends. But who are these new friends of yours? Well, you've met Mr. Nelson. A pleasure.
0: Enchante.
1: And this is Goddler Henry Mafakiniswa Mandela. Delighted to meet you. And you, sir. And this is Corporal Kova, Private Al-Ghazawi, and Private Smedley. Welcome all. You're all friends here.
0: Actually, Captain, that's not entirely true. Oh? One of these three men is a spy. A spy? There can be no other explanation. One of these men is responsible for an attack on our base, and we need to know which one.
1: This is ridiculous. We're not. Ah!
0: Quiet, Corporal.
1: Ooh, good use of the mystic stick of malicious intent, Mr. Nelson.
0: Thank you, Magpie. You'll each have the opportunity to give your own testimony. But rest assured, if one of you is the spy, I will find out.
1: Captain, we formally request the use of your ship to conduct our interrogations. My ship and crew are at your service, old friend. Thank you. Mr. Boyle. Yes, sir. Put these three men in the brig. You heard that, Captain. Take him away.
0: Oh, goodness gracious. I am going to go for a snooze.
1: Okay. Have a nice sleep. I was just about to have supper. Please, join me at the captain's table. Oh, we'd be honored. Yes, thank you. Come.
0: Why, this is quite a feast.
1: Help yourself, my friends. So, Mr. Mandela, tell me, have you ever been on a ship such as this? Like this? No. But you were a seafaring man.
0: I would not go so far as to call myself a sailor. But I am by no means a stranger to the sea.
1: Then tell us one of your experiences at sea, Mr Mandela. Very well.
0: The year was nineteen forty one. The date eighteenth, January. I had the previous month fled from Mekeswini, having discovered that a marriage had been arranged for me, and it would be a further four months before I arrived in Johannesburg. I was, at the time, just a young man. I had never had any formal preparation for the terrible responsibility of marriage. And so, naturally, I fled. I contemplated my escape and quickly decided to escape by sea. Of course, I had never before stepped foot off land And as wild as my imagination was, as vivid were the pictures conjured by my mind in anticipation of my maiden voyage, the reality was far simpler. A simple, terrible reality. And as we all know, at times, reality can be truly terrible. I joined the crew of the Pallid Ogre, not out of any real desire to be a seafaring man, for all the things I knew myself to be. A sailor I was not, and yet join I did. For five days and five nights, we were at the mercy of Storm Percival. The first night, we lost seven men overboard, thirteen on the second. It was a dark time. The remaining crew reeled in grief and realizing that I would likely find my death the next evening. I found myself trying to make peace with what would likely be my imminent death. The next morning I woke suddenly. Uh, uh, I was alive. I looked around the crew quarters expecting to find my crewmates sleeping soundly in their bunks, but they were gone. I tiptoed out of the crew quarters and onto the deck of the pallid ogre to look for the crew. The seas were calm, too calm. Hello? Hello? I say, hello? The crew were gone. As alarming as that was, and believe me, the prospect of being alone on a ship in the middle of the ocean, which requires at least 10 experienced sailors to sail, was indeed alarming. But, I was more concerned by the color of the sky. The sky was bright purple, not unlike the sky in the ghostly plains, an aurora borealis-like pattern of waves in the sky that made me question having eaten mushrooms that I found growing on the hull of the ship two nights previous. I pinched myself. Ow! I was sober and lacked any of the usual symptoms of having been drugged. Now, I don't know about you, my friends, but I know which side my bread is buttered on. Something was a very wrong I stood on the deck of the ship, in my finest silks, looking up at the purple sky, when all of a sudden, a salamander leapt from the ocean and landed with a flop in my arms.
1: What the devil? Hello! A talking fish? I'm not a fish. I'm a fucking salamander.
0: Looking back, with the benefit of hindsight, I now realize a salamander is not a fish.
1: Now take off those silks. I want to see the purple light dance on your nipples.
0: How very dare you. Back in the water, you girl. I stood there for a moment, beside myself, with confusion and a heightened sense of sexual vulnerability. It was the first time a salamander had ever demanded that I undress myself. And I felt a mix of emotions, namely fear, shame, and fatigue. I strode over to the bow of the ship, and once more looked out at the ocean, and then once more to the purple sky. Where the hell
1: am I? You were in the Bermuda Triangle.
0: Indeed I was.
1: How did you escape?
0: That is a story for another time. Come, we should begin the interrogations.
1: Agreed. I'll have the first man brought in. Follow me. Here you are. This room should suit your needs.
0: Thank you, Captain.
1: You're very welcome. Find me when you conclude the interrogations. Hello? Who's there? Hello.
0: <sighs> My name is a Nelson Mandela.
1: I swear I am not the.
0: I'm going to ask you some questions, son. Please, don't torture me. Torture? My God, man! We're not savages.
1: So you're not going to hurt me?
0: Hot mustard seeds, no! I'm merely going to ask you some questions. And from your answers, I will be able to deduce if you are innocent. Oh, a
1: dirty, filthy spy! Magpie, that's
0: quite enough.
1: Sorry, Mr. Nelson.
0: As I was saying, I'm going to ask you some questions. Three questions, to be precise. Are you ready? Yes, sir. What do you consider to be the most serious moral implications concerning the practical application of gravity boots? What? I said, what do you consider to be the most serious moral implications concerning the practical application of gravity boots?
1: I... what do you mean? Gravity boots as in health and fitness inversion therapy, or those akin to science fiction? The kind one would wear in outer space. Oh, well, I don't suppose that any have as yet been manufactured, at least not for the public, although I would think that there would be few, if any, moral implications of their use, provided that the manufacturing process was ethical and sustainable, and that the parts that the boots are made from did not include any animal products or involve any testing on animals.
0: Hmm. Next question. If you were captured by a mad German scientist and subjected to horrifying genetic mutation experiments, but given a choice as to what animal you would be mutated into, which would be your preference? A penguin, a panda, or an alpaca?
1: Why are you asking me this? Answer the question! A panda? Mmm
0: Very interesting. Finally, I'd like you to tell me which of your brothers in arms is likely to be the spy. I
1: I don't know. I have known them both for what feels like many months. I've eaten daily meals with them, played backgammon, and discussed the wind and the trees. I trusted them. both. I
0: see Very well. Thank you private. Guards! Yes, sir? Please take Private Al-Ghazawi back to his cell and bring in the next suspect.
1: Aye, sir. What do you think?
0: Magpie, it's too soon to tell.
1: I think he's guilty. Why? I can smell
0: it on him. You can smell his guilt? Yes. Literally? Yes. What does guilt smell like?
1: Sausages.
0: Sausages? Yes! Huh. Yes?
1: We've got the next man ready for you, sir.
0: Thank you. Bring him in. Oh. Hello. Hello, sir. Private. As you know, there is a spy among us. Yes, sir. I'm going to ask you three questions to determine whether or not you are the spy. I promise you, General, shh, shh. I need only hear your answers to my questions. <sighs> I'm ready, sir. Very well. Imagine that you have three sandwiches laid out before you. And before I go any further, let me emphasize that you are in a state of ravenous hunger. Absolute ravenous hunger. The problem is that one of these three sandwiches laid out before you has been poisoned with a very potent and deadly nerve agent, most likely at the hands of a very skilled former operative of the KGB. Given your state of ravenous hunger, how would you go about choosing which two of the three sandwiches laid out before you to eat and which sandwich would you discard on the assumption That it is in fact the poison sandwich.
2: May I ask, what type of sandwiches are they? Yes.
0: Go ahead! What type of sandwiches are they? The first sandwich is a ham, cheese and pickle. The second sandwich is a bacon, lettuce and tomato, more commonly known as a BLT. The third sandwich is a falafel and hummus.
2: I think the BLT is poisoned. Please explain how you have reached your decision. I would think that the falafel and hummus sandwich, being a bland affair for the senses, would be the least popular sandwich on offer, and thus the KGB operative would not poison it, as it would be the least likely to be eaten. I see. Of the remaining sandwiches, ham, cheese, and pickle is objectively an inferior sandwich to the BLT and again, due to its limited potential of being chosen, at least of the remaining two sandwiches, leads me to conclude it is safe to eat. The BLT is therefore the poison sandwich.
0: I see. Question two. Whilst enjoying a quiet drink with a friend who has sought out your counsel following the death of his marriage, you are approached by a handsome Iranian businessman carrying a brown leather briefcase. He introduces himself as Mr. Mahmoodi, a venture capitalist from Tehran, and asks if he may join you at your table. Whether it's the calming nature of his silky smooth voice or the handsome figure he cuts in his suit, you are at least momentarily disarmed. And think, why not? and gesture towards the empty stool at your table. Mr. Mahmoudi gestures to the waiter and orders a Long Island iced tea before smiling suggestively at a passing woman. For the next few minutes you sit in silence until the waiter returns with the Long Island iced tea. Mr. Mahmoudi takes a long slurp from his drink and then suddenly hoists his briefcase onto the table. In this briefcase, he says, is a 2.6 million US dollars. I will give you the money if you agree to my terms. You exchange a bewildered glance with your grieving companion and ask, what are your terms? Mr. Mahmoodie smiles a devilish smile before producing a golden meat cleaver from inside his left breast pocket. He looks you, dead in the eyes, and says, I would like you to eat a pepperoni pizza. A pepperoni pizza, you ask in surprise. A pepperoni pizza, he reiterates, once more flashing his devilish smile. What's the catch, you ask, nervously eyeing the golden meat cleaver as Mr. Mamoudi seductively passes it from hand to hand. I'm glad you asked, he replies, with a hint of malevolence in his tone. This is no ordinary pepperoni pizza, he replies, his smile widening to reveal a diamond-encrusted tooth. The pepperoni on this pepperoni pizza is, in fact, the sautéed nipples of Nepalese refugees, and the cheese is the coughed of flame of a Turkish pickpocket, named Balgam. Would you agree to these terms? Yes. I see. Are you particularly motivated by money?
2: If you are trying to insinuate, that I could be financially motivated, to betray my comrades in arms, the answer is no sir. However, for 2.6 million US dollars, I would eat the Iranians nipple flame pizza in a
0: heartbeat. Very well. Question 3. Please, describe to me your understanding of Schrodinger's cat. Well,
2: I believe that Schrodinger's cat is a thought experiment relating to quantum mechanics that is used to illustrate a paradox of quantum supposition. Go on, please. In essence, a hypothetical cat may be considered both alive and dead simultaneously as a result of its state being irrevocably linked to... To a random subatomic event that may or may not occur.
1: I'm confused.
2: In layman's terms, there's a cat in a box. There's also a radioactive substance in the box. There is a Geiger counter in the box. The Geiger counter is connected to a hammer that is set to smash a sealed container of poison. If the Geiger counter registers any radioactivity. It will trigger the hammer, which will smash the container and release the poison, thereby killing the cat. The radioactive substance exists in a supposition of states, meaning that it has a 50% chance of decay, a 50% chance of not decaying. If the radioactive substance decays, the cat will die. If it does not decay, the cat will live, while the box is closed and the cat is unobservable. The cat is presumed to be both alive and dead at the same time.
0: That was a very comprehensive answer. Well done, Private.
2: Thank you, sir. But I have a master's degree in
0: quantum mechanics. Well, I'll be. Very well. Guards! Yes, sir? Take him back to his cell and bring the next man in. Guilty! You said that about the first man
1: have changed my mind. Magpie's prerogative.
0: Don't be too quick to judge, Magpie. A hasty judgment would not only condemn an innocent man, but also condemn us to the inevitable machinations of this spy.
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm a Magpie, not a detective.
0: Fortunately for us both, that is all you need to be. Ah, take a seat, Private. I'm going to ask you some questions.
1: I have seen the dramatic will of the oceans. I have felt the comfort of cool skin against my face and known what it is to be alive in death. He's the spy! When the rabid fiends are frothing at their mouths and the wet drips down onto their rotten crutch. He will stamp his golden hooves on bloody skulls. Yep, definitely the spies. I think you're right. And where will you be? Where will you stand when the light of his vengeance washes all over the land and boils the flesh from the bones of the interlopers? Corporal! And when the forest floor is littered with the bones of children... The people will know the name of their master.
0: All right, that's enough, dammit!
1: Mr. Nelson, he's definitely the...
0: I know, Magpie. I know. What I don't know is why.
1: You know nothing, Mandela.
0: Then why don't you explain it to me, son? Explain to me why you would betray your comrades.
1: My comrades? You've mistaken me for a turncoat. Rest assured, my loyalty has never faltered. I infiltrated your little resistance with one mission. And what was your mission? To execute the leaders of this rebellion.
0: It appears that you failed your mission, although you've still managed to cause no small amount of mischief.
1: If only I had done more.
0: I think you've done quite enough.
1: I was unable to discern Thembi's strategic plans. Had I been able to warn my king, I would have been rewarded greatly. What reward could be so great that you would lose yourself to such blind devotion to a tyrant to make you forget morality? ...and decency. Nothing the parrot would understand. A parrot? How dare you! Magpie! Shh! But Mr Nelson, he caught me! A parrot, yes! All oh, birds look the same to me. Well, that's just racist. Indeed
0: it is. Well, that concludes this interview. Not so fast.
1: Mr Nelson, he's got a gun!
0: I can see that, Magpie.
1: Where did you get that gun from? Here. Oh, good gracious. Oh my, he has a cavernous wound in his chest. I
0: carved it out with a stone. It beggars belief that the gods let you keep a stone on your person.
1: Well, I kept it hidden. Hidden where? We
0: don't need to know that, Magpie. Any last words, General?
1: Easy, easy. Ha ha! You shoot me, I will shoot you. You shoot Mr Nelson, and I shoot you! How is a parrot holding a gun? I'm not a parrot! Now don't give a damn what you are. Drop your weapons. That's not going to happen, spy! This is your last warning. Drop your weapons or-